Toshin temples are a perplexing site because of several reasons. Firstly, there appears to have been many phases of remodeling in the Neolithic. Secondly, it was reused as a cemetery in the Bronze Age, which helped preserve Neolithic sections, but at the same time destroyed parts of it. Thirdly, before it was excavated properly, blocks were often knocked down and broken up for use in farms. And post-excavation, a lot of reconstruction was done in the 1950s, which is now all mixed in with the ancient ruins. The temples are located in the village of Tarshin, 500 metres east of the Hal Safliani Hypogeum, one kilometre southeast of the Cordin Three temples, and one kilometre northeast of the Santa Lucia Hypogeum. There are four temples, all built at different times. The easternmost temple was the first to be built during the Gigantia phase between 3600 and 3200 BCE. It's a fairly small five-apse temple with torba flooring and paved corridors, and it's oriented to the south. There are several scanty remains between this structure and the east temple. It's not known what these were for. They're often referred to as being part of a courtyard. The East and South Temples were both built in the Tarshim phase sometime after 3100 BCE. The South Temple had five apses and the East Temple had four apses and a terminal niche. They both faced south-southwest. The Central Temple was the last to be built and is the only Maltese Temple with six apses and a small terminal niche. It was squeezed in between the South and East Temples both of which needed modifications to allow this. It faces southwest. The monumental Trilithon entrance to the South Temple was rebuilt in the 1960s. The concave facade and bench are typical of other Maltese temples. Where the bench comes to an end on the right, there's a sort of niche with five libation holes in its floor. This was probably an external shrine for making offerings. The forecourt is littered with stone spheres. Just as at Hajarim and Amnidra, there is a tunnel-shaped hole in the ground right in front of the entrance. It's popularly thought this was for tying animals used for sacrificial ceremonies. Inside the temple, there are the remains of a giant statue, similar to others found at the other complexes. The original is in the National Museum of Archaeology. This one at the site is a replica. As I've mentioned before, no one is sure if these corpulent figures are male or female or what they represented. Most literature refers to them as goddesses and sees similarities with the Paleolithic Venus figurines found in Northern Europe. The same apse where the statue was found has a highly decorated altar with spirals and a portal style window on top of it. This one here is also a replica. Um, the original is in the museum. A stone plug at the bottom of the altar covers a hole which contained charred animal bones and a flint knife when excavated. Various burnt animal bones were found in other parts of the complex as well. Unlike other temples, there are lots of animal carvings of sheep and pigs in low relief on blocks in the first apse on the left. The second apse on the right was remodeled at some point in its history and turned into two smaller rooms. A squared menhir decorated with pitting sits in the first room. Since this doesn't have a structural function, it probably had some sort of ritual purpose. The raised apse at the rear of the temple is paved and has a trilithon-style altar at the back. 
Although the portal window above the spiral decorated altar doesn't lead anywhere, archaeologists did find a deer antler and bowl in the wall behind it. This is interesting because it's not clear what the purpose of such a deposition would be. It surely couldn't have served any other purpose than something ritualistic. At the Santa Verna temple in Gozo, snail figurines were found enclosed within walls in a similar way. Then at Gigantia, a bullhorn, a bowl and seashells were found under the threshold slab to the South Temple. Now, I've been reading through the museum annual report of 1919 to 1920, which details excavations at Tarshin. And the ritual deposition stuff gets even more wild in there. So, to the right of the giant goddess statue, they found a cavity plugged with a stone, and inside it there were sherds of pottery. Then, on the left side, there was another cavity plugged with a conical-shaped stone. This cavity contained flint, animal bones, pottery sherds, and various stone objects. A similar cavity plugged with a conical stone was also found at the Hal Safliani Hypogea. The thing is, this story plays out a lot throughout the report. Many blocks of stone were moved, and the soil underneath was found to contain sherds, bones, beach pebbles, and other items. The whole thing of holes stuffed with objects makes me wonder if the holes at entrances referred to as libation holes were not for liquid offerings after all, but originally contained ritual objects and were then covered with stones which have long since moved. That doesn't make it any less perplexing, but it makes more sense to me because these holes often cover most of the width and length of a passageway, so wouldn't have been very practical for those entering the sanctuary. As I said at the beginning of the video, the central temple is the only Maltese Neolithic building with six apses and a niche. They normally have a maximum of five apses. The central temple is accessed via a corridor leading from the south temple. There are various screens decorated with spirals which must have been used to block off different parts of the building. The one seen here is a replica since the original is in the National Museum of Valletta. As with all the temples on the site, there are loads of tunnel-shaped holes on either side of entrances, which were probably hinges for ropes and barriers. There are two hearths in the center of this temple and a giant bowl. Several such vessels were excavated from Tarshin. Uh, one which is in the National Museum of Archaeology even has a handle on one side and looks very much like a huge version of a modern-day cup, even though it's far too large and heavy for a person to lift. Unlike the Torba flooring of the other temples, the central temple has enormous paving slabs. From the central temple, a small chamber can be accessed between it and the south temple. Similarly, a small chamber can be reached between it and the east temple. These chambers are common where temples are clustered in groups. It's as if all available space needed to be used. This second chamber is unusual for its carvings of bulls and a pig with piglets. Behind a square opening in the wall next to the floor, animal bones were found.
the museum report from 1927 to 1928 talks about sherds of a plate being excavated from Tarshim temples, which, when put together, depicted two bulls, trees, and a chevron decoration around the outside. This is similar to the plate with bulls excavated from the Hal Safliani Hypogeum. Bull symbolism makes its mark across the ancient world, but normally not until the Bronze Age. However, there are a few examples of it in Neolithic Malta. Another strange feature of this chamber is a cistern with a perfectly cut stone plug and rim. This was found underneath 30 centimeters of torba flooring, which means it predated this particular temple structure. It was totally devoid of finds, so its purpose isn't known. And this gets me into the museum annual report of 1920 to 1921. It discussed trenches that were dug in the areas of the temples where there was torba flooring rather than paving slabs. The trenches show that the older temples were clearly reused and renovated many times in the Neolithic. To quote, in one case, 15 centimetres of torba floor was laid on a bed of pebbles of 30 centimetres. Underneath this was another torba floor, white, smooth and very hard, 8 centimetres thick, laid on 30 centimetres of pebbles. The rock bottom was level and bore signs of fire, so that before the first earthen floor was laid, the rock floor must have been in use. However, the report also goes on to say that the pottery found within all layers was of the same quality, so looked like it belonged to the same part of the Neolithic. Therefore, the excavators found it hard to say much more about these different floor layers and the significance of their stratigraphy. An excavation of one of the thick paved sections in the central temple, which is very different to the typical torba flooring, showed a megalith on top of a stone sphere. This is one of the reasons why archaeologists think the stone spheres were used for rolling megaliths into place. It makes sense, but at the same time, what I don't understand is why some spheres were left in place and others were scattered around the front of temple facades. The temple people were sophisticated in so many ways and seemed to care about symmetry, but then they didn't care about leaving stone rollers lying around. I also wonder why they're all different sizes. That's surely not very practical. The East Temple originally had four apses and a terminal niche. The inner left apse and niche were then modified into one misshapen chamber to make way for the central temple. The inner right apse has a couple of gaps in the wall which lead to a small room behind it, or what's thought to have been a small room, but now it's just some scattered megaliths. These are usually referred to in literature as oracle halls, just as those at Hajar-Im and Amnidra. The idea is that they may have been used by a priestess similar to the Oracle of Delphi in ancient Greece to communicate prophecies to an audience outside the apse. However, there is no evidence for this. This is it's purely speculative. In my opinion, the holes are a bit low down for that, and the areas outside of these holes aren't really convenient to receive an individual or an audience. They are kind of awkwardly located, in fact. I thought maybe the holes have something to do with astronomical alignments, but once again, they seem too low and hidden. Between the east and central temples is another unusual feature, a set of steps, which excavation reports say led to a torba surface. Models and carvings found in the temples show that they originally had one story and a corbelled roof. So the steps 
don't lead to a second floor. It seems they must have led to the roof or a high pathway between roofs. Steps are also found at Tahadrat, leading from the irregular-shaped building to the upper part of the rear apse of the Trefoil Temple. As I've mentioned in previous videos, I'm convinced those steps actually lead to a second entrance at the back of the Trefoil Temple. On plans drawn by archaeologists, there's no second entrance, but when you go and look at it, there's a clear threshold stone flanked by orthostats. Tassilj also has a megalithic stairway to the right of the temple on the outside of the megalithic wall. The jugs seen here at the bottom of the stairs are replicas, but that's the position they were found in. Did the temple people leave in a hurry, perhaps? The Tashin temples have lots of signs of burning, but it's not known which period this dates to. In the 1919-1920 museum reports, a large block was noted to the west of the easternmost temple. It's uh, 4.5 meters in length, and in the report it says that it was probably once an upright monolith, monolith or menhir to guide people to the site. These two pendants with strange symbols on were excavated from the Tarshin temples. The symbols probably represent the sun's rays, but could mean something entirely different. There are a couple of other items in other temples with much clearer astronomical symbolism, but other than that, these pendants stand out as unusual, especially the black cylinder with red stones in it. They were probably imported, but it's not known from where or why. The other astronomical items I'm referring to are this solar wheel depicted on a shirt from Hajarim. This is very similar to solar wheels represented in many other ancient cultures worldwide. Then there is the star tablet found at the Tal Adi temple. I'll discuss this in more detail on my astronomy video. I want to say something more about the idea that the temple people practiced various rituals. The word temple is used cautiously by experts because they cannot be absolutely sure that cultic practices were taking place in these buildings. However, it does seem that these monuments played a role in society that was quite different to the mud brick huts found in domestic villages of the time. When it comes to ritual, there are a few main points to outline. It's widely thought that animal sacrifice and ritual feasting took place because of the number of bones found in the temples, because of the huge pottery vessels, because of the altar-style structures, and because of the animal symbolism. What these rituals were for exactly is open to interpretation. The numerous statues, including giant ones of corpulent figurines hint at the worship of some sort of deity. Although archaeologists do not see these figurines as necessarily female, people often refer to them as goddesses or priestesses, and there's every chance that that's what they were meant to represent. So then that leads people to say that maybe the temple people had some sort of fertility cult, and the corpulent statues depict a fertility goddess or goddesses. Just as with the ancient Greeks and Romans more than two and a half thousand years later. But it's still speculation. Also at Tarshin temples, these phallic symbols were found along with others. They do also suggest a fertility cult, but I don't know. I think the ritual depositions, megalithic constructions, high thresholds between entrances portal-style doorways and numerous altars hint at something else. I personally think that the sleeping lady statuette found in the house of Safliene Hypogeum, although tiny, is 
one of the biggest clues. The problem is that, as with any theory, as soon as I go down the path with it, I find an obstacle. But I still believe the answers are there. They're hiding in plain sight. And whatever we learn from the past, we can use in the present. So that's what motivates me to keep reading, exploring, and researching. And thank you for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed that, please like and subscribe. Follow me on Instagram for more content and go to my website for more details on each of the sites I visit.